Welcome to Avowedcast, the fan community podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG game titled Avowed. This is a podcast for fans, by fans. We're not affiliated with Obsidian in any way, but would gladly buy them a beagle puppy named Daisy. My name is Sora, and I'm joined by many other fans around the world as we talked about the world of Aora and Avowed in general. For this episode, we wanted to address the cluttered release schedule in 2023 and how that might affect plans for Avowed moving forward. Descend into the void or do not. I care neither way. So I want to start off today with a general statement that's going to piss a lot of people off, but I believe Avowed should avoid releasing in 2023 like the plague. I think Obsidian should not release the game, even if it's ready, debugged, and it's shiny and shimmering and ready to go. By August of next year, let's say, still don't do it. Um, The reason is because 2023 is going to be the perfect storm of game releases, something we've never seen in the games industry before and hopefully won't see again, but it's going to be an incredible year. Now, on average, uh, I looked up some statistics, and um, the Pew Research Center evaluated game development between 2010 and 2020, and they said the average every year uh, over the over that 10-year period was that about 200 um, AA and AAA games release uh, each year. Some years were more, some years were less, but around 200. Um, they did offer a recent projection based on the number of games that have been delayed or moved into the new window of 2023. Now they're saying that is going to triple, triple in numbers and reach an unprecedented number of releases within one year. Uh, and that's including games that were already going to release in 2023. I'm not even t- we're talking about delayed games, that's huge. But there were games that started development four or five years ago that originally planned to release in 2023. We're going to talk a little bit about those as well. And I believe this really affects Avowed because Avowed is a special project for Obsidian. This is their first big debut into this AAA, uh, very competitive uh, RPG uh, genre. I mean, they, they have a lot of competition out there. They want to set themselves apart. And we want them to be successful because we're fans. We want them to be successful. That means they have to draw on an audience more than just you and me. The listeners and myself, we're huge fans of Aora. We're going to buy the game no matter what. We love it. We're going to cheer about it and scream to the, the mountains. It's the other ones that you got to worry about for the game to be successful, for us to have an Avowed 2 and Avowed 3, and so on and so forth. For that to happen, the game has to really be successful, meaning it has to draw in some of those more casual gamers that were attracted to games like Skyrim, who just, people who wouldn't normally play that, played that game to death. Um, So we really have to pull those people in. And how do you do that? You have to find a spot in the gaming release schedule where, I mean, you're never really going to not have competition, but you want to stand out, right? I mean, if, if you look back this year, like in the beginning of the year, you really only had two big releases in that, that first few months. And, and that was Elden Ring. And, and then you had um, Horizon, you know. So th- those two games were kind of competing against each other, but there was really nothing else out there. That's kind of what you're looking for. You want to 
you see it in the movie industry all the time, people adjusting the release schedule so they're not uh, competing for dollars. Um, so Avowed kind of has to find that spot. In 2023 is not going to be it, my friends. It's chaos. So I'm going to go through a list of just... The list is way too big for me to talk about right now, but I'm just going to hit on some of the key games. Um, you can find this list on PC Gamer website. I saw it on GameSpot. IGN has their own list. These are all, all of the games that are coming out next year. Again, this has never really happened in the industry before that you have games from two years being pushed into this one-year window that already had a huge slew of games being released in it. So it's going to be chaos. So let's jump into it. There's really two categories of games that we're talking about. We're going to be talking about games that were delayed from 2020 and 2021 and 2022 into this 2023 window. We're also going to be talking about games that weren't delayed that were originally going to release in 2023 anyway. The list is ridiculous, but I'm just going to hit on the big ones, the really big ones that I think should draw our attention. So I'm just going to rattle down the list here. We have Forspoken. We have the Dead Space remake. We have Deliver Us Mars, Dead Island 2, Hogwarts Legacy, Sons of the Forest, the Resident Evil 4 remake. We have Aliens Dark Descent, Ark Raiders, which is a big sci-fi third-person shooter. We have Ark 2, for God's sakes, Atlas Fallen. Atomic Heart, Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, Baldur's Gate 3 gets its, its final release next year. Bramble, The Mountain King, Creature Keeper, The Day Before, that huge open world zombie survival game. Diablo 2 is next year. Edge of Sanity, El Paso Elsewhere, Evil West, Exomecha, Euden Chronicle 100 Heroes, uh, The Expanse, The Telltale Series, we have Final Fantasy 16 next year. Huge. Flintlock, a great looking game, comes out next year. Flintlock, The Siege of Dawn. The Great War, Western Front. We have Hellblade 2. Homeworld 3. I mean, these are, these are not small games at all. And you've seen the advertisements lately for um, uh, the Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I mean, that's a double A game. That's going to be huge and take a lot of people's time. Um, you have Layers of Fear, Legend of Zelda, the sequel to Breath of the Wild, Lies of P. You have Lollipop Chainsaw, which has been being talked about for years. Two huge Lord of the Rings games. You have Return to Moria, and you have Gollum coming out next year. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Sun releases late December, right before 2023. Uh, Minecraft Legends comes out next year. Um, Nightingale, huge game, Payday 3, excited about that one. Um, Ravenlock looks awesome. You have the Prince of Persia remake coming out next year. Redfall, let's not forget about that. Replaced, Replaced is that huge sci-fi action platformer. Um, a new Robocop game that looks pretty cool. You have Sea of Stars, you have Shadows of Doubt. The Settlers remake from Ubisoft. You have, I'm just skimming the list here, guys. You have Starfield, duh. You have two huge Star Wars games. You have uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and you have Star Wars Hunters, Street Fighter VI, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. Wow. 
uh, Tempest Rising, uh, Terra Nil, which looks awesome. I'm excited about that. New Test Drive Unlimited game, which looks promising. You have The Wolf Among Us 2 coming out. You have Tortuga, A Pirate's Tale, Under the Waves, Warhammer 4K Dark Tide, the co-op shooter. Uh, of course, Witcher 3 Next Gen is coming out later this year. Um, you have Wulong, the Fantasy Dynasty, which looks super cool, and that's coming out next year. I mean, I could go on. I just skimmed the list. Now, let's look at the games that are already were releasing in 2023. These are games we already knew were coming out, and these are huge. Marvel's Wolverine, Dragon Age, Dreadwolf, Alan Wake 2, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Horizon, Call of the Mountain, Black Myth, which has me super excited. You have Everspace 2, Dune Awakening. I mean, these are this is ridiculous. The, the, the games on this list, Destiny 2 Lightfall is huge. The Sims 5 is going to pull a lot of those casual gamers. So that's a big one as well. Um, Forever Skies, Frozen Flame, the Grim... Grimoire game, uh, Raven's Watch, The Invincible, uh, V Rising. There's just a ton of stuff. So you get the point. It's a very, very cluttered schedule, more so than usual. And that presents a lot of issues for Obsidian. Think about that. Do you feel if the game is done that it would stand a chance to release next year in the fall? Or are you in my court where they maybe should push it back even further? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't push it back. Well, so for me, I mean, I, I get that argument, especially if you just look at, I mean, just look at Xbox releases. I mean, you, you, you want to spread out your releases and just next year for Xbox, it's Redfall, it's Starfield. I think Forza comes out next year, which I didn't think, even think you mentioned. Um, and let's assume, let's assume that the Activision Blizzard deal goes through and Diablo 4 is an Xbox release next year. You know what I mean? So it's just, there's like four or five games already. And I think most of those are Q1, Q2. Um, and I feel like they would want to, to spread that out. At the same time, though, I think we can't, I can't, we can't discount the power of, of, of Game Pass. You know what I mean? Like th these big games are coming next year, um, but some of those big games aren't coming to Game Pass. So it's it's one of those things where every, like 20 million plus people who, who are subscribed to Game Pass suddenly have access to Avowed. And Avowed is not something I think, or at least for what I've been seeing around the internet, it's just I think the anticipation is growing steadily. You know, everybody's looking at it and thinking that this is actually going to be pretty good. Every, every list I see of, oh, you, Xbox is, is uh, hitting all cylinders. It's about is always on that list so i feel like it's not like something that people just forget about uh i feel like if it does it in the fall depending on what else comes out in the fall because again we, we have a clearer picture of the beginning of the year than the end of the year once we have that clear picture of the end of the year i feel like then we'll know i don't want them to push it past 2024 though at the very least okay fair enough um parenthesis what do you think about that I, I can see your point, uh, but it'll be a yes, but only if they use it to properly prime the launch. I want them to begin to release information to the public so that people know what this is, 
what what is they're getting into. It's not just a new generic fantasy. It already has some. It already already has some gravitas behind it. I want them to contact streamers. I want them to release their tabletop RPG. I want them to do an actual play session with this with influencers or who knows critical role with that Mercer in the lead. I want them to sell this setting. I want them to release pamphlets for it. I want them to build the hype. Because if that doesn't happen, then it will be it'll be dead in the water. Then people will forget about it. Yeah, uh, I I agree with that. Um, Lazar, what do you think? <clears throat> I I also think that um, like as you said, of course, a lot of other uh, video games are releasing at the same time. But I think that the marketing can can be done so as to uh, about sticks out from the crowd. Um, I definitely think that it has potential, as parentheses also said uh, that there are you know ways to go. Um, but, um, to, to be honest though, I am not sure if, you know, the, um, like the big crowd, you know, the, uh, the casual gamers, I don't know how easily they can be, uh, you know, hooked in, uh, to about because, you know, on the surface it's just another, you know, fantasy RPG. Maybe I would hate it, but maybe it would need the Skyrim angle. Um, I would really hate it, but it, it might need the Skyrim angle in like the marketing beforehand if if it wants to stick out. And if it can stick out, then it could. I think it's it's very realistic to say that it would be successful even in the in the sea of, of other games, I think. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I, I understand what all of you're saying. I I really like the way that that you mentioned it parenthesis where something has to change. Like we cannot keep, if you really are going to try to compete against this huge, this unprecedented year, this is unprecedented in video games. This has never happened. So this is a ridiculous amount of stuff releasing in the same year. And a lot of these can't delay it anymore because stockholders you know they've already delayed so they're not they can't push it out of that year so so there are going to be this ridiculous amount of releases so if you want to set yourself apart i like what parenthesis you said about building the hype about contacting streamers about releasing the floodgates you have to get serious if you don't get serious about it um, and you really are legitimately thinking of releasing something next year you're done I mean, you're, you're, I'm sorry, you're done. They're smart enough to know that. I have to hope that they're smart enough to know that. Um, I'm not talking about your regular, oh, uh, two months before we're going to do this little game preview. Um, no, you have, it has to be super aggressive and not just avowed. Think about all these other games. I mean, those companies are going to have to be super aggressive. Uh, almost to a ridiculous point, um, you know, they're going to have to make themselves stand out, do some drastic stuff. Who knows? Maybe they'll do a dance mob in New York City for a vow. But you have to do something that's ridiculous to get people's attention. I mean, and I think it's also a good point that this a lot of people don't know about this game. I mean, yes, we know about it. Um, yes, the the hardcore gamers know about it. But that's not going to be sufficient. You need to reach out to that 
that that Skyrim crowd, those people who are not regular gamers who got sucked into this game that, you know, not that you compare yourself to them, but that's the kind of people you need to go for to get the bucks and to get the, the, the money and to build a fan base. It's not even just about the money. It's about building this huge fan base. So it's very problematic to me. And I think it's actually much more serious than some might think, because if you, well, I mean, there's two key issues. Let's think of these two issues that haven't even been talked about. The first is game fatigue, right? Game fatigue. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm looking at this list. I can't do it. And and if I can't do it then, I mean, my backlog is already going to be so clogged up. I can't do it. I mean, if you can do it, great, but I can't do it. I mean, look at Diablo 4. I mean, are you kidding me? Um, Flintlock. Um, I mean, oh my God. Um, Liza P looking fantastic. Hogwarts Legacy, for God's sake. Forspoken. I mean, what? Am I wrong? Is game fatigue not going to be an issue? I mean, I'm going to spend lots of my time playing Starfield next year. You know what I mean? So I, I get exactly what you're saying. And for every hour you spend on that, another five games get released on Tuesday and then another five on Thursday. So you get worn yeah, down. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard situation, definitely, for, for developers and publishers. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I, I don't know what you can... Probably like a lot of... Probably it's going to be like a C... Of, of advertisements and and uh, you know s streamers trying out new games and, and stuff like that and it's gonna be a really hard competition probably uh, next year well if um, you're if you're a marketing uh, student this would be the time to get in the games industry let me tell you yeah that's what I wanted to say <laughs> yeah it's gonna I mean be... it's a it's a huge deal but here here's another thing what about budget? How much money are you spending on games? I mean, we talked about this in a previous episode that, and I forgot the number, but there was the statistic of how much people spend, how much gamers spend on games every year. Um, I mean, the Game Pass is a great point. Um, when you mentioned that Game Pass being what it is, people are going to fall back on that. So it's almost like this great storm is is just hitting at the right time for Microsoft because... I don't have 60 bucks to spend every week on games. I, I mean, and I can't really justify that if I want to play all these games. So based I'll just on play them on Game Pass. Too, based on that list that you gave, like, Replaced is a Game Pass game. Lies of P, Game Pass game. Starfield, Game Pass. Diablo 4, hopefully Game Pass if the Activision Blizzard thing goes through. You know what I mean? Like, all a Redfall, Game Pass game. You could... You could play games in 2022, maybe even 2023, with just the Game Pass subscription and have plenty to play. Yeah, you know, you'll never have to spend an extra dollar. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's a great argument. I mean, of course, you have the the one, other ones. You have the things like the Marvel games and the Star Wars games, and um, you know, those are pretty big, of course, and Wolverine. And then, you know, so Spider-Man 2 is obviously going to be a huge deal. The new um, Horizon game, um, Black Myth is getting a lot of traction. 
but you're right. I mean, I, I'm probably, that's probably what I'm going to end up doing. You know, maybe I'll invest in a new game every month, but, um, maybe I, maybe I won't. I just, this is so expensive. And then especially with Sony saying that they're not going to release a game below $70 in the foreseeable future. I mean, man, they just seem to be making mistake after mistake. <laughs> They're just doing the dumbest things ever, but um, we're going to increase the price of our console. All our games are now going to be $70 or higher. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I just feel like it, it it's something that should be considered, and I think that fans should be considering that and should be patient. So I would say that if we're assuming that, that they're smart, and I do think they're very smart. I think Obsidian is very smart. I think they're not dumb. They know what's going on. I know that they've been through some chaos. We've already talked about on a previous podcast how Avowed has been rebooted several times and how there's been a major leadership change in just the last year, how they've switched uh, to Unreal 5. And so all these changes that are going on uh, for Avowed, I know that that's adding to the the release time. So maybe this is not, not even a, re maybe this is a pointless discussion. Maybe it wasn't going to come out in 2023 at all. Um, but I think that they're smart enough that if it's going to come out in 2023, I bet you we see something by the end of the year. And my guess would be they start punching uh, around December when um, the game awards are out. That might be when I, we might see something. If we don't see something by the end of the year, I guarantee you about is not probably not coming out next year because they're smart enough. Like parenthesis says, they know they have to get ahead of the game if they want to be distinguishable in this new slew of stuff, I mean, I, there's just so much to consider. Um, but uh, that was kind of what I wanted to talk about. But we have a lot of listener emails, um, a ton, actually. <laughs> Thank you guys for writing in. Um, and we appreciate all the new li listeners we've gotten lately. Um, so I'm going to read off some of these emails and get you guys to respond to them. Um, some of these are statements. A lot of people are just sending in opinions, but I think they're valid. So I'm going to read some of those off too. Um, this one's kind of like what we were talking about. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. This is from Diego. Diego says, I just watched Gamescom and the developers for the game everywhere came out to talk about and show game design, but the game is barely in development and won't come out until 2025. Why can't Obsidian do this for Avowed? Okay, well, I guess we've already kind of beaten that horse, but anybody want to chime in with uh, Diego there? Did anybody see Gamescom and see see when they were talking about the game everywhere? <laughs> I didn't see it, though. I mean, my, my, my opinion with those things is, you know, you can't win these game developers can't win if they show it too early then you know four years go by and everyone's like where the hell's the game you guys announced it four years ago if you show it too late you're like well there wasn't any marketing how am i supposed to know that this game's coming out so i feel like you know marketing people and it's not a it's not a science it might be a science but it's not to me it doesn't it doesn't seem like a science like you have there's a middle ground there where that you have to hit especially with bigger games i've never even heard of everywhere by the way so i don't know maybe Maybe it is a big game, and uh, I don't know what I'm talking about, but for smaller games, it matters less. But for a big game, for especially this is Obsidian's like big foray, like now we have Microsoft money, this, look what we can do. It's, it's more delicate. 
Yeah, I think Diego, my answer to that would be, I think that they're aware of this. I think that they see what other development companies are doing, but I also think that developers of everywhere are in the minority. I think most people nowadays with the, what we just ended up talking about with all the delays and people are just scared to say something because they don't know what, when the next shoe is going to drop. They don't know when the next crisis is going to happen. So um, and then this one was from Laura Smith, and this is kind of similar, but I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it. Laura said, uh, "Is Xbox giving studios too much power?" It was recently noted that Xbox execs wanted to show Fable development, but Playground Games put their foot down and said they will not allow it to be shown until it is ready. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Is that the uh, cart driving the horse, or? I mean, I, I, it, you can't say that in general. I think it's uh, it, it purely depends on whether the, the, it's the publisher or it's the developer who uh, who is the most wise person in the room. Some publishers definitely need a to listen to the developers, and some developers definitely need to listen to their publisher. Yeah, I think it's it's very few and far in between when actually the publishers listen to the developers. You know, it's nice to to have it the other way around for, for once, I think. Well, and they have the clout, right? I mean, Playground has some clout. They do. And also, this, uh, th- this listener email, by the way, I think is referring to the interview with Matt Booty during Gamescom where he talked about how awesome, like, stuff he saw from Fable was and his job is sort of to to say whether to be sort of shield like oh this this isn't ready yet or just not and they he was so excited about that and they told him oh we want to show it when it's ready I don't think they have too much power I feel like they should have as much power because they know that they know the product way more than than the publisher I mean Matt Booty probably comes in I don't know once a week once a month to take a look at this but they know exactly where the development stands. And if they show something too early, it's they, it's them who people are going to talk crap, not just Xbox. Like people are going to say, oh, Playground, they weren't ready. They, they should stay with racing games or, you know what I mean? I, I feel like, again, it's another delicate thing, but I feel like it they is. should have the power. It's like you can't, you're like you said, you can't win. I mean, I understand that completely. It's, it's, it's no matter what you do. And I, um, so I get it. This one is interesting and I almost didn't want to use this, but maybe we'll see what you have to say about this. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry to put you guys in this situation, but I'm going to read it anyway. Um, this person says, do not use my name. So I will not use their name. If that, if that already tells you what's about to come, (laughs) then you kind of know that it's going to be bad. So, um, this is what they said. Let me read it quietly so I get it right. Okay. Um, should game developers follow ring of powers lead and make more woke games? So if you're not familiar with what they're saying there, I think they're referring to the fact, I haven't watched Ring of Power personally, um, the Lord of the Rings series. Um, and and I think what they're referring to is the fact that it is not uh, following what Tolkien had in the books. And they were like, uh, by woke, I assume that this person is referring to the fact that they have um, multiple races playing characters that people think should be white am i right 
Is yes. that what the thing because is? That's, exact, that's exactly. I think that's exactly right. I'm sorry. I you go because I I know I I've been talking a lot today. Uh, like, no, I just wanted to say that um, you know, you at at certain point you gotta acknowledge that you know your your material that you're working with is from you know another century, and you know a lot of things have changed since then. Uh, you know, politically and uh, all that stuff. Um, you know, so you know, we have a completely different political landscape now, and and uh, I don't think that it's necessarily bad that you know the games that we make today reflect that political landscape, even if you know when the the material was written, original material was written. Uh, you know, that was a different different one. Those were different times. Lazar for president. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) That's a loaded question. Anybody anybody else want to step in that pile? I feel like that's a loaded question. I mean, woke by itself is used almost exclusively derogatory. Um, So I feel like it's uh, there's a negative connotation there. But all they're saying is, let me rephrase the question. Should they make more games that are diverse the answer is yes i mean i've watched ring of power uh, rings of power and I, I love the show by the way and i think there's a way to do it right i mean if you're just making a character you're not even talking about that character's race you're just making a character a different color by the way a fantasy character an elf you know what i mean exactly and we're, <laughs> we, we talk about we, we talk about uh, uh pillars of eternity which actually does this really well you know, they don't talk about the character. I mean, you see dwarves that are, have very dark skin, you know, and, but they, that makes sense. They're from they're from the Valian Republics. You know, everyone from the Valian Republics has dark skin. So, you know, I feel like saying should they make a woke a more woke games is again a loaded question. And the real question is should they make a more di- more diverse games? And the the answer is always yes because the people behind it, uh, the developers, are becoming more and more and more diverse. They have their own ex- life experiences that they want to put in, in the games. You know what I mean? And I feel like I feel like it's only going to get better, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you said. I understand. I'm going to have to watch it. I haven't really been following it, so I don't know completely 100% what the controversy is, evidently. But um, as if I agree with you, what you said about the word woke. It's obviously a negative connotation. And I think... If I was going to be devil's advocate and try to take their side, maybe they're saying that if you have a, a property that was meant to be done in a certain way, like um, you, uh, let's say you redo Snow White and you make it a black guy instead of a girl, you know, I mean, people are going to be upset about that. And I can kind of understand if you grew up and you have this like, you know, all you did was read Lord of the Rings books and you have this picture in your head. And uh, so I, I, I understand where they're coming from. I don't agree with them, um, but I kind of understand the slant that they're going with. And I do think that they need to get with times moving on. I don't want to stay on that any longer. Um, here's one from Captain EPI. Um, I'm, I was wondering what EPI stands for, and I don't know. But Captain EPI wrote us and said, with the recent trends in microtransactions, selling cosmetics, and removing game content 
to later call it DLC, do you feel <laughs> do you feel Obsidian might adapt any of these uns, uh, unscrupulous approaches to revenue? What do you guys think? I feel it's about going to have microtransactions. I highly doubt it. It it will go against the uh, the audience they are trying to capture, and I. I, I I just haven't seen it from from Obsidian. Um, maybe, maybe they will change, but but I doubt it. Yeah, and as, as far as I know, there's a trend going on nowadays that you know certain games like Horizon Zero Dawn kind of made a point that you can be successful and make a lot of money without microtransactions. And, you know, gamers just love this sentiment. So, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I also h highly doubt that uh, Avat would have microtransactions. I don't well, know if I you think guys... That... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I am a huge Game Pass fan. Um, and I feel like Game Pass changes the game a little bit. Like, game development is getting more and more expensive. So they added microtransactions even to these big single-player games. Assassin's Creed is a really good example of that um, because they need to, to get more revenue uh, because games are getting more expensive and the prices are only going up a little bit. You know, 60 to $70 isn't that much compared to how much game development costs have grown, have ballooned. And Game Pass is, I think, changes it up a little bit. Like a game like um, Pentiment wouldn't have existed without a uh, uh, game pass or it would be very hard to, to pitch to any publisher um and i feel like the the what what a game what a streaming service like game pass or even netflix needs is content they don't necessarily mean i mean there's some games that have microtransactions inside game pass like uh sea of thieves but you could have games you can have both and i feel like avowed just doesn't fit the bill for something that would have microtransactions I, I see what you're saying. I, my thought on this statement, Captain EPI, is that um, I here's the number one reason why I don't think we'll see microtransactions and cosmetics, because I believe Avowed is being developed in the transition in the tradition of games like Skyrim, and is going to be moddable by the public. As soon as you make a game moddable, there you can't sell cosmetics there's no point to it because a mod will be coming along that allows you to do whatever the buying of the cosmetics would do now i played um assassin's creed valhalla loved the game but it was notoriously bad for um pumping in um all sorts of things i could buy um in some cases they were they said that it didn't enhance the game, but I don't necessarily know, but they would be selling weapons and that would like glimmer and shine. And, but how am I to know those don't make the game easier? But my point being that as, as soon as you make a game moddable, that kind of goes out the window. Now, as far as your point about removing game content to later call it DLC, I think there might be, I don't know what you're talking about. I'd like to know what you're talking about. If you write back in, let us know uh, what you're referring I to. Think, but I, you, anybody I think know? they're referring to Mass, Mass Effect 3. Okay. You know, the notorious, uh, you know, DLC that actually 
you know, contained like uh, crucial information and, and crucial character. How, what's it, what's his name? Javik. Yeah, to the story. Like it was a day one DLC. Yeah, that was a notorious one. That's what I can think of. I think that's what they're referring to. I think gamers are smart enough, though. I think they would, like, with that example, I think people would see through that and pretty pretty much rebel against something like that. You know, I, the only thing is that could be the counter to the Game Pass argument is that if the company knows that, I mean, Starfield, let, let's be honest, um, Starfield is going to make its money, <clears throat> not from Game Pass, it's going to make its money doing what uh, Playground Games did with um, Forza Horizon. In that um, not only is it the DLC, um, you'll get to play the game early. You'll get to, if you pay this money, you'll get uh, the DLCs for the next season. You'll get, uh, you know, in, in promising all this stuff. And so I feel like I could see an unscrupulous, to use the term from our other writer, um, uh, company saying, you know what, let's just chop off this little dungeon here. I mean, it's already done, right? I mean, we're getting Game Pass money. Let's just let's just call it DLC. They they won't know. We'll just two two months afterwards, right? So I think I could see your point there, Captain. Um, but I, I'm just didn't have the knowledge about that before I read it. Um, let's see another one. There's a bunch, so many here. I'm gonna pick another one. Uh, um. Okay, this one's interesting. This is Kfigs884. The class system used in Pillars needs to be heavily altered for Avowed. Avowed is a different beast entirely because it is a first-person game and not a party-based system. Avowed needs to allow me to adapt and choose the skills and path for my character as I play meaning that my barbarian could be radically different from any other barbarian played by another person. Pillars does not allow you to do this. Anybody have a comment on that? Yeah, this is an interesting interesting thought. I also had this thought, actually. Um, like Because I don't know how translatable the classes in Pillars of Eternity are to a first-person action RPG combat, uh, you know, system. I don't know what you guys think of this. Parenthesis, I know you've played the games. What do you What do you feel about that? Do you feel that the party-based tactical system that's used in Pillars will easily transfer to a, an avowed game? I think there is wisdom in changing the system up and, and perhaps making the classes more versatile. Uh, I do, however, think that it would be a good idea to retain the actual class structure and not go for, for a classless system. Um, that being said, I mean, I think I thought, I thought there were a lot of wiggle room within the system we had in, in Pillars of Eternity. But yeah, sure, it's, it's a different game and it needs uh, a different system to accommodate it. Yeah, um, as to you said that you would retain the classes uh, as they are. I, I would also retain the classes, like the name of the, or the concept of the classes, because um, I think that they're a very important, a very crucial part of the lore itself. 
and I don't think that uh, you know like for example if Cypher wasn't a class but instead was like you know a set of abilities that uh, you could develop your your character you know like um, a tree a skill tree uh, you know that wouldn't feel that much like you know the the world of Eora that we are familiar with but I just might be a bit sentimental I don't know well, I think you could see that and this not to pick on Elder Scrolls, but I think if you are played the Elder Scrolls games, all of them from back to even if you started with Morrowind and not Daggerfall, you'll notice how those have also evolved over time to become more of a player centered choice approach. And whereas in like Daggerfall, there wasn't a whole lot of choice. You didn't go up to this celestial stars and pick your path. You know, it was it was more, I guess, like what you would expect in a Pillars game. Pillars had to be that way because it was a tactical game. I mean, you can't balance a system like that if you just let people get a blank slate and do what they want um, because then you're inevitably going to have people complain and, and say it was a terrible experience. Uh, or you're going to have the opposite effect in that, um, I don't know, I feel like, people would go in you know how people do if if you if avowed is created with a blank slate character like that then they're just going to min they're going to go online they're going to do a you a google search what's the best way to build a barbarian and everybody's going to have the same barbarian because they're all wanting to pick the perfect way to progress you know i, I don't know i i think you maintain the classes i think you maintain as much as you can from it um with the design being that you want a balanced system. Um, you don't want to have one particular method of build be so much more powerful than everything else that nobody ever plays anything else. So that would be my thought. Oh, this is the last question and then we're done. Um, this is from DRVN4V3. Um, driven 4V3, I think. Um, this is a this is my kind of question. I love this. Uh, should charisma play a part in development of an avowed character and gameplay? Why does strength and intelligence always dominate in RPG games? I want to play an open world Eora where the charm and charisma of my character can sway battles and persuade enemies to retreat. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, you can kind of do that in pillars, right? To a certain extent. Yeah, that's that's what I. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Like, for, for example, in in that fire, like that's what the passive skills are for. You know, like diplomacy, bluff, um, intimidate. You know, these kind of things. Um, no, don't you think? I agree. Uh, I think it's it's, an, it's a bit of a conundrum because on one hand. I, I can see that point, but on the other hand, if you put it on charisma, then charisma becomes both extremely powerful, but also extremely limited skill. Perhaps it helps with selling and buying things too, but it, it sort of becomes like in, 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 in Fallout New Vegas, what it was kind of the I win button. I, I think a, a better system would perhaps, if you wanted a charisma system, you perhaps should have put it on reputation and past deeds that are recorded by the game and use that to kind of create a an aggregate 
that that indicates how much that NPC is going to like you. But that that's just theory crafting. So I like that idea. I've never even thought of that. The, because what you're doing is you're putting the onus on the player and saying, "All right, you want to have that I win button as you referred to it." You know, you're going to have to work for it. And that means your reputation that you build in certain areas, your because that makes sense in real life, right? Your your persuasion in one city is going to be different than another city based on your previous actions or or your your renown in the in the region. So it almost seems like it needs to be just as much a a uh, a factor, a variable that shifts based on your actions that, as much as it is a little dot that you push in the stars to say, "I want this," um, because that's yeah, almost also, too lazy. It also encourages you to do side quests in every single area, not just because, like, I don't know about you guys, but I tend to do a ton of side quests in the beginning in certain games. Then I get a little burnt out on side quests, and I like beeline the story. But if you if you have reputation only count in, in specific areas, then you're in. It spreads that out and encourages you to do a little bit of everything. I agree. I, I think charisma is awesome. Yeah. I love charisma in D and D, and I. But I also think in D and D, it's a flawed. I kind of like what Parenthesis said. I think if if you if you play Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. Uh, the way it's supposed to be played by the rules and you have a high charisma character, you've got a pretty good chance to talk the dragon out of his nest. You know, I mean, it. that's that's going over the overkill a little bit, but, you know, it's, it is a dangerous stat, I think. Yeah, it's a jack-of-all-trades kind of thing in Dungeons & Dragons, definitely. All right, I think we're done. I, I appreciate you guys hanging out. We only lasted an hour today, so yay. Um, and um, that's it. Does anybody want to do a shout-out as to where they can be found online? Um, uh, Lazar, do you have any online persona that you want to advertise? Still no. Okay, fair enough. Um, Remoran? Oh, I am at Sir Remoran in on twitter um again i don't i don't really advertise myself often i just if you want me to to say stupid stuff or 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 listen to me tell people that rings of power is a good show you can follow me (laughs) i will go watch it now that you recommended it i'm i'm excited then i will i will check it out um parenthesis do do you want people to find you anywhere sure i uh i'm streaming on twitch for the moment under the handle Command Objective, uh, and I am currently playing uh, through uh, the life and life and suffering of Sir Bronto. Very cool. Um, and then, of course, we're on uh, uh, Twitter at Avowedcast, um, and we have uh, our website. And but we also you can send your comments, you can send your statements, your opinions, or your questions to us avowedcast at gmail.com and we really appreciate all you listeners and we'll see you next month in the final accounting the culling that follows shall be upon your ledger